Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me in your Bible to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Amen. I know we all were so blessed by Brother Joe Morris's ministry here a couple of weeks ago. And uh, along the lines of that ministry on the return of the Lord, I want to say some things and minister some things. I think that'll be a blessing to you. And so we're going to look at a a number of scriptures this morning and, uh, uh, and just see what the Lord has for us. Amen. Glory to God. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, let not, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let it be established clearly that Jesus is coming back again. He's coming back, church. Jesus said so. He said, I'm leaving, I'm going to my father's house, and I'm preparing a place for you. Glory to God. And he said, I'm coming back and I'll receive you to myself. Glory to God. That where I am there, you may be also. Turn with me to Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one. Not only did Jesus say so, the angels said so. Acts chapter one, verse number nine Now, when Jesus had spoken these things, the things that are just before this verse, while they, while the church watched, Jesus was taken up. Everybody say that after me, taken up. Glory to God. He's coming back and we're all gonna be taken up. While they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Glory to God. These two men were actually angels, of course. And they said, this same Jesus that ascended is going to descend. He's coming back. So Jesus said so. The angel said so. Paul said so. Turn with me to to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Hallelujah. Praise God. First, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians. Chapter four, let's start in verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, 
concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What a comfort. Oh, glory to God that this same Jesus, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Glory to God. Amen. There's one uh, version of this. The Phillips uh, translation says, one word of command, one shout from the archangel, one blast from the trumpet of God, and the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Woo-wee. Glory to God. What a day, what a day, what a day. Glory to God. It's coming, church. It's coming. Amen. So now I want us to turn, Just we just wanted to get that established. Jesus said so, the angel said so, Paul said so. We're gonna look at some other scripture. James says so, Peter said so. So it's all through the New Testament. Let's go over to the book of James and let's look at James chapter five. Glory to God. James chapter five. Now, the book of James is, is sort of a different uh, epistle, the way the Holy Spirit inspired James to write this. A lot of times, all of the thoughts in James don't necessarily flow from one to another. Sometimes he just abruptly just says some, some things that doesn't seem to be connected to anything he said before. That's just the way the Holy Spirit inspired James to, to do it. But in verse number seven, he says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Church, the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Say, well, they said it was at hand back then. Well, if it was at hand back then, it's at hand, even more at hand today. Amen. And particularly in this day in which we live. Now, the Lord here through James, he said, see. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord, see. That word see means to observe. It means to take notice of. And it means to give attention to. He said, observe, take notice of and give attention to the farmer. And see and take a, pay attention to, give your attention to how the farmer waits 
for the precious fruit of the earth. Waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Now we know that metaphorically that's a reference to the Lord. Because uh, in the New Testament, God is described as the farmer. In fact, go with me over to John. We were there in the 14th chapter. Go to the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. And look at verse number 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Now, the word vine dresser and the word farmer. Now, in the older King James, back in, in the book of James, chapter 5, where it says, give attention to, pay attention to how the farmer. That word in the, in the older King James, I think it was husbandman. Over here in, in uh, John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Those are the same exact word. Those two English words translate the same Greek word. So he's talking about the same thing. He said, my father is the farmer. Over in 1 Corinthians, talks about the church. And he said, you are God's garden. And God uh, is the farmer. Isn't that right? So we are God's garden. He said, Pay attention to the natural farmer. Give your attention to how the natural farmer, after he plants his seed, he patiently waits until the precious fruit comes in. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about uh, the coming of the Lord and the precious fruit spiritually. The word has been and is being, continues to be sowed today, and we are to patiently wait Uh, like the farmer does, pay attention to what he does because God is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Amen. What's he waiting for? The harvest. Why is he waiting? Go over to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Praise the Lord. I wrote that in my notes wrong. It's 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter 3. Let's start in verse number 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly forget, that by the word of God, The heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the word that then existed, the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, 
Do not forget this one thing. Now, that's, you know, I've never really read that exactly with, with that kind of emphasis until this morning. About 8.30, I was looking at this scripture. And, and I suppose, I don't remember ever having that register on me like that. He said, beloved, do not forget this one thing. That sounds to me like there's something here important. Do not forget this one thing. What is it? That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Well, what promise is that? The promise of his coming. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, the, the, the Father has delayed the, the, the sending of Jesus back. He has, he has held it back because he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth because he is compassionate toward us. Now, we are all ready to go. If you're born again, you're ready to go. But all of us have family and friends and people we know that we care for and we care about. And, and God is not, it says that he's not slack concerning his promise. That means God is not just negligent. He's not just forgetful, you know, about his promise. It's, it's, it, he's not like people are sometimes who make promises and it doesn't mean anything to them. That's not what's going on. He said instead, the Lord is long-suffering toward us. He's compassionate. He, he's, he's interested in us. And of course, he's interested in all of those who are yet to be saved. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth to come in. And notice over in James where it said the, the farmer is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Therefore, we are to be patient. See, he's not just waiting for the precious fruit of America or the United States. He's not just waiting for the precious fruit of Western countries. He's not just waiting for the precious fruit of Africa. He's not just waiting for the precious fruit of South America. He's not just waiting for the precious fruit of, of, of Europe. He's not just waiting for the precious fruit of Russia or of China or of North Korea. He's waiting for the precious fruit of all of those. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth to come in. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Go back to James again. Chapter 5. <clears throat> Therefore be patient, brethren. Now when he said be patient, he didn't say be lazy. <laughs> he didn't say sit back and don't worry about it. Don't even think about it. It's all taken care of. See, the word patience uh, in, the, in the New Testament describes steadfastness. Patience uh, describes an, an attitude of diligence 
but not being in terror while you're diligent. Having a confidence that what God has said is going to come to pass as you steadfastly pursue the things of God. He said, be patient, brethren. Establish your hearts. We need to be more established in this than we are. These truths and the reality of the coming of the Lord needs to be more established on the inside of us than it has been. Because it's, 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 we're, we're, we're in a time where, uh, we, we've come down to the, to the, to the very last of the last days. Now I know people have been saying that for a long time, but look around at the world. Brother Morris, when he was here, he showed all of the different, he didn't show all of them, but he showed many signs that, that are indicating that the time of the Lord is, is, things are lining up like they never have before. And the, and the weight of, of the indicators uh, is, is astonishing in the times in which we're living right now. He's coming back soon. He said, be patient, establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, he's not, he's not waiting. God's not waiting for the reemergence of the Russian or, or the, or the uh, Roman Empire. He's not, he's, that's not what he's waiting for. That's going to happen. There's no question, and if you have to go back in the book of Daniel and study that, you'll see that it's going to happen. That's not what he's waiting for. That's not what, that's not what, hold, that's not what is holding him back, put it that way. He's not waiting for Russia to attack Israel. That's going to happen, but that's, that's not what's holding him back. He's not waiting for the Antichrist to appear. That's, that's not what's holding him back. I'll tell you what's holding him back. Go, go over to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Paul tells us exactly. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He tells us exactly what is holding the Lord back. Or the holding the, the time of, of the coming of the Lord back. 2 Thessalonians 2. Look at verse number. Well, let's start in 1. We'll go down and read. Let's read down through verse number eight. Second Thessalonians 2, 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. You know, when we talk about the coming of the Lord, we should always be thinking about our gathering together to him. Oh, glory to God. Just like Jesus was taken up, we're going to be taken up. Glory to God. That's exciting. It's a comforting thing. It's not a fearful thing. It's a comforting thing. He said, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as as if from us, as though the, the day of Christ or the day of the Lord had come. Listen, if anyone is, is troubled about the coming of the Lord, they're not thinking right. I'm talking about any Christian. Any Christian is troubled over the idea of the coming of the Lord. They need to get their thinking straightened out because it's a wonderful, blessed hope. 
for the church. He said, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, the, the day of the Lord will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. That falling away is really the catching away of the church. I said that falling away is actually the catching away of the church. It's not a good translation, the falling away. And the, son, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is, he is God. Do, not, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining. This is what I wanted to get to. Now you know what is restraining that he, the Antichrist, may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way and the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will, who will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. He's saying that there is something restraining the Antichrist being revealed. There's something holding that back. And he, he describes it as a he. He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Well, who is that restrainer? Now, tradition has said that that's the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the restrainer. He's holding uh, back all of these things happening. The son of, uh, of perdition, the Antichrist being revealed, all the things will, that will take place during the tribulation. That the Holy Spirit is holding that back. Well, I agree with that interpretation. But I don't think that's all of the interpretation. Because he is also a reference to the church. You remember that the church is the body of Christ. And we are Christ in the earth. He's the head, we're the body. We're the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth. It's actually the Holy Spirit working through the church. The Holy Spirit present in the church that is the restrainer that's holding these things back from happening. If we weren't here, church, Lawlessness would break forth in our world in a measure that has never been known before and it's going to happen. It is going to happen. We are seeing just hints of it just right now at the unthinkable lawlessness that you, you scratch your head and, and you look at it and you say, how in the world can... Not only people do these things, we understand they're wicked and crazy, evil people, but how in the world can governments bow down to this and even endorse it until it becomes politically inconvenient to endorse it? How in the world can that happen? This world ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> when the church is taken out of here, lawlessness 
will abound and will break forth in this world like nothing the world has ever seen before. And there will be one who will arise, the Antichrist, the son of perdition, that the nations of this world will be so desperate for a leader to bring order and to bring a sense of unity and to take things over. They'll sell their soul to the devil himself for a little peace. And that peace will exist for a little while until that son of perdition, that antichrist turns mid-tribulation and reveals who he really is. Then he'll demand to be worshiped and so forth. We won't get into all of that. But the point is, God's not waiting. The lack of these things happening is not what is not what is holds the, the return of the Lord back. We being here is what's holding the, the, keeping the return of the Lord from taking place. It's because we're still here. These things can't happen until the church is taken out. And oh, glory to God, it's coming. It's coming. But remember, we need to pay attention because James said, look, pay attention. Take notice of. The farmer, how he waits for the precious fruit of the earth. The reason we haven't been taken, the Antichrist can't be revealed, the tribulation can't start, these things can't happen, Russia invading Israel, all of these things, they're not gonna happen until the church is taken out. And the church isn't, hasn't been taken out because the precious fruit of the earth isn't fully in. That's the church, that's the only reason we're here. This is not our home. Not, not in, the, in its present condition right now. I know we're going to come back during the millennium. But for the, for, for the life, in, in, the, in light of the life we ha- have right now, this isn't our home. Heaven's our home. We belong to the Lord. We're not of this world. What are we doing here? We're, what we're doing here is, is working in the harvest. That's why we're here. The, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Until the fullness of it comes in. Oh, glory to God. I did a, a study a number of years ago and I, it had never occurred to me. I had never thought about it. It was just really a, a, an inspired uh, uh, revelation of, of a natural truth. I was sitting in a service and, and the preacher wasn't even, it was, I think it was, a, I believe it was a, a service that Kenneth Hagin was preaching. I was there in one of his services. He wasn't talking about the return of the Lord at all. He's ministering on healing or prayer or something or the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm sitting there and suddenly I saw the, 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 the condition and the progression of the world's population. And I had to go home and, and, and look, and it was so long ago, I didn't even have a, the way to look at it on a computer. I had to go look it up in a, in a natural uh, encyclopedia and study it out. And then since then, I've, I've studied a little bit further. But suddenly, I saw the progression of population. And in, in, in the last 50 years, there's been a whole lot of discussion about the population explosion. Where there's a, there's a reason for the population explosion, it's not just sex. <laughs> That's not just the reason. There's a plan involved. If you, and so I went back and started studying this out. I saw this, you know, by revelation, but then I went out, went back and studied it out. If you plotted out the, the, the human, recorded human history, started over 
Let's see, started over here. It does better for me this way. Started over here. And uh, at the beginning of, of recorded time, and then my right hand represents today. If you did a, a, a graph and showed how population has increased, it's sort of like this. You go, you study it out. Do your, do your homework. It, it's amazing that in just the last 150 years, I, I haven't, I didn't study this for this sermon, but it seems like I remember that, that it was in the uh, late 1800s. I think it might have been 1850. Might, might be off a little bit. But that's, you know, consider all of human history. That's way over here. It wasn't until around 1850 that the earth's population had reached 1 billion people. Now you think about that from the beginning of recorded history, 6,000 years. Until 1850, there wasn't a, a, a billion people up in, until that time. There's close to 8 billion people in 150 years. You can see, if you look at that, it's like this. And then it kind of went up about the time of Christ. It started to climb a little bit. And then around 1850, I mean, it, it has gone, it is going through the roof. Now, that's not to say that the earth is in danger of being over, overpopulated. I don't believe that at all. God put everything on this planet that man would ever need. Population isn't taking God by surprise. He's planned this. The precious fruit of the earth is coming to fruition. What better? I'm, when I saw this, it suddenly occurred to me, given the fact that there's more people alive right now on our planet, there's like many times more people alive right now than have been alive in all the preceding uh, ages put together are alive right now. Anybody who's a farmer knows that you don't reap your crops until they are at the fullest potential. You wait until you figure you've got the most uh, uh, grain in the, in the ear. You've got the most beans on the, on the vine. You've got the most of, uh, 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 because if you wait too long, you start losing. You go overripe, isn't that right? If you come too early, you miss out on a lot of, a lot of harvest. So you wait until that crop is, is, is at its fullest potential. And that's when you send the reapers in. If Jesus doesn't come soon, it would be a tragedy. How in the world could God not reap the harvest and the potential we have right now? It would be reckless of Jesus not to come back soon. It would be reckless, and he is not reckless. He is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And that has to do with the overall population, but more importantly, it's talking about the, the, the millions and billions of people to be reaped out of this population, to come to Christ in these last final days. That tells me that before Jesus returns, there must be a harvest that is beyond anything the world and Christianity has ever seen before. 
If not, God's just fiddling while Rome burns. Huh? No, he's not. There's a harvest coming in. Oh, glory to God. Now let's go back to, to, uh, to James. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See, pay attention, take notice of, observe how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. The early and the latter rain. Now, that has a very specific and clear definition in the Bible. What he's talking about is, is not ambiguous. The Bible absolutely tells us what this is talking about, about how the, uh, how the farmer waits patiently until the crops receive the early and the latter rain. Go with me over to Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy 11. And let's look at, let's start in verse number 10. Of course, this is Moses talking to the children of Israel about, you know, the land they were coming into and so forth, land of Canaan. He said, verse 10, for the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come. You know, Egypt was was and is a dry land. It's mostly desert. He said, the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. Watering it by foot has to do with the mechanical irrigation that the the Egyptians had developed for bringing water out of wells to what, because there wasn't any rainfall. So they would have to dig wells and, and they would have to irrigate their crops. Any food they had and still have comes by, of course, it's all, you know, uh, uh, you know mo- me- uh, motorized mechanic uh, uh, such today so that it's, it's, all, uh, it's all, it's not done by hand. But then it was done by foot. They actually peddled these, these devices that, that pumped the water. He said, the land that you're going to possess is not like that. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven. Glory to God. A land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. From the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock, that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens, so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, 
and you perish quickly from, from the good land which the Lord is giving you. Notice, he said, the land that you're going in to possess is not like the land you came out of, where you had to irrigate the land with your feet. He said, the land you're going to, and it wasn't that far away from, from, from Egypt. He said, there's a land over there that God cares for, that he had prepared for the children of Israel. He said, it's a land that drinks in rain from heaven, mountains and valleys, and there's just an abundance of water and abundance of rain. He said, I will give you the rain in your season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. You see, the early rain had, was the rain that came to just before planting. The early rain, and I don't remember the months of the year, but the early rain would come to prepare the ground so that the ground was ready to take the seed. And it was, it was heavier rain than usual. Uh, but, but it wasn't the heaviest rain. It was, a, it was a good, substantial rain. And then the rain would be normal from then until just before harvest. And just at harvest time would come the latter rain. Now, the latter rain was a much more abundant rainfall. I mean a lot of rain. And what it would do, it would tend to cause the grain to, to fill out. To be completely full, so that if you if you know anything about gardening and harvesting crops, rain uh, is is helps the crops uh, mature and 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 flesh out and become good and 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 that's when you want to harvest, and that's why the Lord said He sends the the rain in its season, the early rain and the latter rain for what purpose? For harvest, so that you can gather. In your grain, your new wine and your oil. And he said, in connection with this rain, I will send grass in your fields for your livestock. So the rain has to do with harvesting, to making the land fruitful so that your livestock can, you know, can eat and then you can eat the livestock and be filled. And then, of course, he warned them, you know, not to be deceived and follow after false gods. But the purpose there is that Dryness represents a lack of God's blessing. Dryness is a lack of God's blessing. Rain represents an abundance of God's blessing. You remember over in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus said that even God sends the rain on the just and on the unjust? It's an indication of God's, of God's goodness and of God's blessing. Amen. Now go with me over to, uh, we'll close with this scripture. Go over with me to Isaiah the 44th chapter of Isaiah. Are you ready to shout this morning? Isaiah 44. And let's look at the first verse. Yet hear now, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, servant, and, and you, Jezurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Here you can see that the water and the rain that's associated with the floods is a type of the Holy Spirit. That there is a connection between the 
early rain and the latter rain in that rain represents the, the move of God, the outpouring of God's spirit. Glory to God. That tells us that before Jesus returns, remember the farmer? He waits patiently until he receives the early, the former, and the latter rain. There has been a former rain. There's coming. See, in, 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 in the Bible, there was a former rain. Then there was a latter rain. But the Bible actually prophesies that in, before Jesus comes, the former rain and the latter rain will actually come together. There's another way of looking at it. The former rain was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the church. The former rain has to do with planting, getting the seed in the ground. And of course, we know that people have been saved and harvested and we understand that. But when we're looking at, when we're looking at the, the fruit coming out of the entire earth, the precious fruit of the earth, on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was really former rain. But there's a latter rain. And scripture says, well, we don't have time to get into it today, but we'll get into it to, tonight maybe. Before Jesus returns, the former and the latter rain, so in other words, the former rain is going to be repeated plus the latter rain. There's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a move of God just before Jesus comes in order to bring in this harvest, to cause the harvest to, to swell and to grow and to, and, 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 and to be everything that God desires because he's waiting for the precious. You think God's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth and is going to be disappointed? <laughs> you think he's going to throw his hands up and say, oh man, didn't turn out as good as I hoped. <laughs> No, he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth and he has, he has diligently prepared everything that's necessary. You and I are part of that calculation because we're here for one purpose, main purpose above everything else and that is to get this harvest in. Glory to God. It's coming back, church. Ooh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's coming back. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Well, let's stop right there. Praise the Lord. I've gone long enough. Praise God. Let's stand. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Thank God. There is a harvest to be reaped. The presence of the church in the earth. You can say it this way. The presence of the Holy Spirit operating through the church. Us being here. The scriptures that we read over in 2 Thessalonians show that we are holding back the revelation of the Antichrist. We're holding back the events of the tribulation. Us being here. Because the Bible, if you, if you read throughout the Bible, you will see that sin always calls for judgment. Remember when Cain killed his brother? God said his, his blood cried out from the ground. Sin, iniquity, 
violence, all of those things, murder, and all of those horrendous uh, crimes of humanity, those things call for judgment. They, They pull on God for judgment to come. But we've been put here to hold off that judgment. The day of judgment is coming on this wicked world. I'm telling you, the day of judgment, the wrath of God will be poured out on this world. You don't want to be here. But but the church is here as as a, Jesus said it this way. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Salt was a preservative in times of antiquity. They would rub salt. People still do that today, but that was their, they didn't have refrigeration, so that was the primary way to preserve meat. They rub salt in it. Salt, he said, you are the salt of the earth. We are the, we are the, the presence of God in this earth that's holding back this judgment. But the reason we're here and the reason we're holding it back is so that the precious fruit of the earth can come in, and that's what God's after. That's what he's waiting for, patiently waiting for. Well, Jesus said two things. He said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. See, we are that, we are that, that presence that keeps judgment from, from coming and these events from, from unfolding. But we're also the, the agents of this harvest. We're the light of the world. God's counting on us. It's counting on every one of us. Glory to God. To let our light shine. To be a witness to people. To pray. To keep ourselves unspotted from this world. Separate from, from the sins of this world. Living pure, holy lives. But, it, but in, in so doing, holding forth, the Bible says, the word of life. Offering the gospel. Being a testimony, a witness everywhere we go of the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's not the wrath of God. If you read the, 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 uh, the book of Revelation, you'll see that the wrath of God doesn't require or doesn't cause a lot of people to repent. They shake their fist at God while they're being consumed. The flesh on their bodies are being consumed. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And we have that message. We have the message of the goodness. Look at your own life. You are a living epistle. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have enough examples of God's mercy and his goodness to win people to Christ. Just tell them your story. I discovered a long time ago, I used to, I used to try to go witnessing and I, you know, I had my little plan, you know, my little gospel path that I had weaved, you know, through the scriptures and, and I'd try to, I'd try to, uh, ask people questions that any way they answered, I had, I had them trapped. I had my little Bible traps, you know. I found out that I could, I could tie somebody up to where they couldn't, they, they had no way out, but they wouldn't convert. All it did was make them mad. But I found out this, that my testimony, without any pressure, 
just telling somebody what God's done for me. People can argue about the Bible, but they can't, they can't really argue in the face of a living testimony. You say, listen, this is what God has done for me. How he has been gracious and merciful for me. You're not putting any pressure on them at all. You're just letting that light shine. Glory to God. And people can't answer that. Hallelujah. That's another message for another day. But we are the light of the world. Glory to God. And there's a, there's a harvest to be reaped. And, and this world is so ready. It is so ready. Glory to God. The time for the reaping has come. We're in that generation that is seeing all of these prophecies and all of these things being fulfilled and all of the things being, like Brother Morris was explaining to us, all of these things being put in in order so that the events of the tribulation period, the things that are going to happen during that time, how those things can happen. I I mean, these things are so close right now. They can't happen until we get our job done. Until we finish the the work that God's given us to do. Glory to God. So we need to be patient but busy. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.